Ladies and gentlemen, welcome everybody. You are listening to Millennial MovieCast. We are super excited to be bringing you this podcast where we will be discussing all things movies. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to Millennial Movie Cast. Uh, welcome back to our listeners from our first episode. To any new listeners, welcome. We are glad to have you. We are Millennial Movie Cast, a new podcast where we talk about all things movies. This is our second episode. Uh, you're sitting here with myself, Nick Worley. I'm Bryce Keaton. And I'm Will Duncan. Happy to be here. All right. So first thing we want to do this episode is cover a couple topics we missed last week. And those are a quick review and a recap of movies we suggest for our viewers to go see. Those movies are Hell or High Water, Kubo, Light Between Oceans, which Will saw this weekend, and Florence Foster Jenkins, um, which was weird. Actually, and I'm, I'm on that briefly. pretty sure the title of that is Florence Leroy Jenkins. I think you are wrong, sir. I saw the movie and I'm almost positive it's Florence Foster Jenkins. But it could be Leroy. I it's not a rememberable movie. So <laughs> yeah, Florence Foster Jenkins. So cool. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. Well, I think all three of us saw Kubo and the Two Strings when it came out. Um, so I'll go ahead and start us off with that. Uh, I thought that Kubo and the Two Strings was a beautifully animated film. Uh, it was done by Leica Productions who kind of specialize in stop-motion animation. And I'd say that this was definitely their best work, in the animation department, at least. And it's probably, I would say, up there, probably the most beautifully animated film that I've ever seen before. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, for sure. And, you know... That being said, I do think the story was a little rushed, but, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. They had to cram everything into 90 minutes because, you know, in the end, it is a kid's movie. Um, yeah. And they're not but, really too concerned about the plot. Right. Development right. with children's movies. Right. And like they wouldn't. It was really rushed. Like they wouldn't give you time to really connect with the characters. And then they'd like drop some plot twist on you. So uh, that was. It was it was a little little crammed, a little rushed, but um, overall it was decent. It was really original, so props to them for that. Yeah, I thought Kubo was really good. I thought that the animation, like you said, was pretty superb. Stop motion is usually a hit and miss with me. Sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. However, in this movie, it is definitely a hit. The uh, what was it, Leica? Is that what you said, Leica yeah, Productions? Yeah, they did. A, they, they did, did um, Coraline and Paranorman. Okay. Uh, oh, and the box trolls. The box trolls was the other one. Oh, actually, kind of like the box trolls. The other ones are okay, but Kubo was really a refreshing, refreshing movie, especially with animation. The colors were beautiful. The story was a little quirky, and that's kind of my biggest knack on it. There was some scary parts that I thought maybe children would get a little frightened with the ants and the <laughs> Kubo. Thought even for me, uh, being twenty-one uh, years old, that's ants with a U, right? 
Yes, yes, not <laughs> not literally ants, but uh, your mom's sisters. That would be who, who I'm talking about. The uh, but even as me as Spoiler. a 21 year old, yeah, sorry, even as me as a 21 year old, that was kind of creepy, and I know that for kids that'd be really terrifying for uh, some. So that's my only knack on it, but it is a great movie. Highly recommend it. It's a fun original tale that I think most people would enjoy. Yeah, I agree. Y'all basically touched on everything. I've thought about it too. Great animation. Uh, the music was really cool. The music and themes. It was about uh, you know a boy with a magical guitar, and I loved the music sequences for that. Thought those were really beautiful. Um, yeah, definitely expect to see this in consideration for best picture in the animated section of the Oscars mm. next yeah, year. I, right. I think so. I think so. Anyways, yeah, that was a really good movie. Um, another movie. Me and Will saw. Yeah, I unfortunately I think, was not able to see this movie. But. Yeah, yet still should see it, Bryce. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Hell or High Water. Yes, 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 yes. Love that movie. Great movie. I would describe it as a big short for Southerners or Texans. That's, because a, that's actually pretty really, – I think that's a good take on it, Nick. Thanks, yeah. No, it, it felt like that. It's kind of about – it's about two bank robbers, two brothers who rob a few banks. And two they kind of touch – Innovative. Kind of touch. That robs some banks. It's two brothers fighting <laughs> alien nuns. <laughs> Sorry. You're good. You're good. Really cool movie about two brothers who rob banks. And it has really beautiful themes of family. What, you know, the gray line between what is right or wrong when it comes to taking care of one's family. It was a really refreshing movie to see at the end of summer. Because we talked about last episode how this summer was a huge disappointment on in the box office, um, the movies we got to see. And this was a really nice end-of-summer movie that you leave the theater, thoroughly enjoyed, um, thinking, wow, you know, that was really enjoyable, really refreshing. And right, it's good to see right before we get you know the swarm of Oscar contenders and the critically acclaimed movies that are coming out this fall and winter – I agree, Nick. I think that it was a really good movie. Chris Pine and Ben Foster and Jeff Bridges starred in the room in the movie, and Chris Pine really showed me something I had not seen in his previous movies. I thought he was absolutely fantastic in this film. Yeah, and that was really refreshing. I like him in Star Trek, and uh, let's see what he do Into the Woods. I thought he's actually pretty cool in that with the musical. But this movie, he really had that Southern accent. He was real gritty. The whole West Texas. It was almost like a character in itself, the location, which I always love in films, when they kind yeah. of bring the location as a character. Mm, sounds like and you really see, movie. Yeah, and you really see just kind of how the banks have suppressed this community, community, and Ben Foster and Chris Pine had to retaliate to it, and it was done really well. I really liked the film. Highly recommend it. However, it is rated R, and it's rated R for a reason, so don't bring your little kids to it. <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you guys for that. And uh, I think Nick is the only one that saw Florence Leroy Jenkins. So Florence um, Foster Jenkins. You know what, Nick? <laughs> I'm going to call it what I want. So uh, anyway, what did you think okay. about it? I hated it. It was terrible. <laughs> but the reason I wanted to mention it is because it is Florence Foster Jenkins starring Meryl Streep. It was actually kind of funny in a really weird way. It was about this singer, this rich singer who has like cancer or some disease and she literally pays people to go see her sing 
at these small venues in the 1940s. This is a true story. She, this happened. Wait, she paid people to come listen to her sing. Yeah, she was a horrible singer, and she paid people. Well, she had like this assistant. That character is played by Hugh Grant, and it's he organ. He pays people, I guess, with her money to come to her performances and cheer her on and pretend like she's amazing. And she is, in fact, like the worst singer in the world. And it's a true story, which is really weird. The only reason I want to bring it up is because it's Meryl Streep. And she is Oscar gold, you know? Everything she does is just great, considered great. She seems to always get nominated. Yeah, and this movie, I mean, she was really good. She played the weird character, the crazy character, really well. And I definitely think that this, we may see her nominated for a best actress for this movie. Um, The costume design in the film was really cool. It's a timepiece, and they nailed that. But yeah, overall, just a really weird movie. But it was also kind of good in a way. <laughs> and I wouldn't recommend everybody go see it. But, you know, if it's on Redbox and you want to have a laugh, watch it. Hmm. What a weird, so, bizarre story. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is Really weird. It, yeah. Halfway through the movie, they there's a scene where she goes into a studio and records on vinyl. And at the end of the movie, they play that recording that they have today. And it's it's god awful it's, it's crazy look up that story i will i will okay. people Alrighty. well uh, thank you thank you nick for that and i believe will this week saw light between oceans uh so, i did will what do you think of that i thought the light between oceans was actually really good i love well really first of all i love michael fassbender Mm-hmm. And he did a really fantastic job of leading this project. It also stars Alicia Vikander, which if you remember her from Ex Machina, I think that's some of our favorite films from yeah, the past like, year was, or two. She was great. Amazing. And they're dating, right? Are, are they? I, yeah, that's they're really? like a real life couple. The, uh, wow. 100% sure. Wow, well, that actually really That's portrays well in the film. Weird. Like you can see them being a couple. That's awesome. Uh, Rachel Wise also is in it. The movie was really good. It's like a, a realistic. It's I don't want to say a chick flick because it's not funny. I mean, you said that last dumb. episode though. I know. Well, what when I first saw it, it's like a good dramatic piece. He's trying to defend himself. I am. But we're going to see the movie. No. Uh, yeah, you're right. Really, it's a drama. I mean, it's a dramatic romance is the best way to describe it. It deals with real-life issues, real couple issues that I really have not seen addressed in film before, at least not ones I've seen, and I really appreciated that. The music was incredible. The location was amazing. I mean, it takes place on a lighthouse island, and really just a fantastic movie. I highly recommend it. It is... um, one of the one of the better movies I've seen this year. Uh, I'll be honest. So I really liked it. Go see it. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I think it's good to know also that it's based off a book mm-hmm. of the same title. Yes. Yeah. It's like a acclaimed novel. It's been on my Kindle for forever. I haven't gotten around <laughs> to reading it. Like like most books on my Kindle. But. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is a little slow. I will say that, but it almost makes sense because you're just really watching this couple grow and see what they have done, how they live with their decisions. It's really good. And I'm sure the novel is pretty fantastic as well. Well, thank you, Will, for giving us the insight into that movie. Uh, and that is all the movies that we saw these past couple of weeks, uh, but we will be watching more. So be sure to tune in next episode to hear what we have to say about those. 
And uh, now I'm going to turn it over to Will uh, so that he can give us the latest and juiciest Hollywood news. The scoop. Give us that scoop, William. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hot News with Will. Glad to see you all again this week. Thank you for listening. So start off right off, hot off the press. Mel Gibson is to direct The Resurrection, a follow-up to The Passion of the Christ. If you remember, Mel Gibson did direct The Passion of the Christ, Braveheart. Now he is actually back in Hollywood with Hacksaw Ridge. It's a story about a soldier who would not take up arms and wanted to help heal people on the battlefield instead of kill them. This is, looks like it's going to be his first really big production in quite a few years. As you know, Mel has kind of been riddled with some various controversies over the past 10 or so years, and that has brought him out of Hollywood, but it looks like he is back. As you well know, hmm. he has been known for Signs, Mad Max, I mentioned Braveheart, Lethal Weapon, The Patriot. Mel Gibson used to be one of the most bankable stars, and now he's back yeah. with Hacksaw Ridge and is about to direct The Resurrection. Huh. I, I heard he was in a movie uh, recently. I think it was called Blood Father. Uh, I didn't Blood actually Father. see it, but I heard it was really good. Um, and Hacksaw Ridge looks pretty awesome. I that agree. movie looks stellar. I think it looks good. Yeah, that's nice to see. Nice to see him around. It's interesting that he's doing a sequel to Passion of the Christ. Um, yeah, I know it'll be. That's Passion of the Christ was very. Uh, how would you say controversial? In some aspects, controversial. But, uh, well, well, Hollywood is so anti exactly. religion, right? And it's a very religious movie, right? But it did incredible. It You're like right, because you know, I the mean, box office numbers you know, are smashing. America as a whole isn't that anti-religious, so yeah. yeah. Anyway, the wor- the world for that matter, <laughs> for sure. So next <laughs> with the headlines, we have participant media lands Rupert Wyatt's sci-fi film Captive State. If you know, Participant Media just did The Light Between Oceans, which I saw, Bridge of Spies, Oscar-winning Citizen Four, and Spotlight. This production company has really been doing well and been hot lately. Uh, as you might not know, Rupert Wyatt directed Rise of the Planet of the Apes and The Gambler. Mm-hmm. And he recently had a quote of saying, This is the film I've always wanted to make, and I've found the mm-hmm. ideal partners in Participant Media, whose body of work and reputation for exceptional storytelling speaks for itself. Captive States team and I have a very exciting year ahead. It starts production next year. What do you all think of this Captive State and Participant Media landing this new film? Um, what? the heck is that movie going to be about <laughs> there is literally he wrote it so it's an original piece that he has written huh. and it's supposed to address some social issues which i kind of the way they made it sound is almost like a district nine type movie and uh. that was really good but in my opinion i thought that was a good movie that's all they know about it but i just think this production company in general has been doing really well sure. lately so i'm interested think- in anything they do the the films that I have seen from participant media, uh, they've they've been good films. I will say though, they kind of tend to be a little more on the less exciting side. Um, so, but if you make a sci-fi movie that's boring, then then something's wrong. So <laughs> that's a good point. We'll, we'll see what happens. I guess it's cool that he said is this is the movie he's wanted yeah. to make. I love stories like that. You know, those turn out, I'm sure those are like the best, the best movies made. The ones that directors are really passionate about. That, mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Cool. And here's this, a good headline that will, should bring a smile to your face. 
Jackie Chan to receive a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Academy Awards. If you don't know Jackie Chan, you've been living under a rock for the past 50 years. He's been acting since he was in the late 1960s. He's known throughout the world, over 150 films, and he is responsible for one of the funniest movies of all time. Don't you dare opinion, say it. Rush Hour 2 God, with Chris, dang it. Chris Tucker. Said it. Oh, I love the movie. It is so funny, and I don't care what you say. Partly because Chris <laughs> Tucker, but Jackie Chan is also amazing. I just really love that he is getting this award because I think he deserves it. I mean, that makes me really happy, too. Um, and, you know, sure, it's a Lifetime Achievement Award and not an actual Academy Award. But, you know, maybe that's just another argument to uh, have a stunt acting category at the Oscars. Ooh, that's, uh, which, I like that like, idea, Bryce. You've never heard that before? No, no. That, that's been a, people have been making that argument for, for a while now, and I absolutely think it should be a thing. So awesome. just throwing that out there. So with the recent box office, we have Don't Breathe. It has actually been number one for two weekends in a row. It's got an 86% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.8 mm. on IMDb. It made $35.4 million its first weekend and followed up with a $19.6 million in the second, retaining the number one spot. It is about a really kind of odd movie. It's... The synopsis is, hoping to walk away with a massive fortune, a trio of thieves break into the house of a blind man who isn't as helpless as he seems. It's oh, that by, movie. Yes, it's directed yeah. by Fede Alvarez, who did Evil Dead. And it's honestly probably one of the biggest surprises of the summer. Sounds like it. Um, you know, I, I saw the trailer for that and I was really interested. Uh, it. Doesn't look totally original though, because it kind of looks like a combination of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one, and another movie that I cannot, for the life of me, think of right now. Um, it's about a blind woman who two men I... break into her house, and she kind of like defends her house from them. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I <have no> idea. <laughs> it sounds really similar. That was another horror movie. Anyway, I think it's a really cool concept um, to have like a a blind antagonist. Uh, so, it, you know, cause it, that means it emphasizes sound a whole lot, which is a big part of horror movies. And if you can do yeah. that really clever, then you can definitely have a good, uh, horror movie on your hands. And horror movies are hot with millennials right now. It's true. That's true. With the next headline, it is actually really good to hear. L.A., L.A., La La Land, getting rave reviews. Actually, get this. Tom Hanks interrupted his own Q&A at the Telluride, Telluride? How am I? Telluride. Telluride Festival saying how much he loved La La Land. Mm. Uh, that festival, the Telluride Festival showed La La Land, and it has been really really hot with uh, reviews and critics around the nation. That gets me super pumped. Uh, that movie's directed by Damien Chazelle, the guy who did Whiplash. And he wrote and... 10 Cloverfield Lane. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, he did. He's a hot, hot young filmmaker. and Very hot. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, people are going nuts over this. People have been saying... Best movie of the year by far, stunning, incredible. The music, because it's a musical. Uh, the music's yes, supposed to yeah. be really good. And apparently, people are going nuts over Emma Stone's acting performance in this. So I am good. so excited to see this movie. Same here. Comes out December 2nd, 2016. Yeah, I've heard that the, 
the musical part of it is great. It's original. It's pure. It's just honestly movie magic, which one article said. The biggest, I think it kind of starts off slow from some reviews, but the third act they said is absolutely superb. I really just can't wait for this film. It's hitting right at the spot where you'd want an Oscar contention. So very excited to hear it. It was on my one of my favorite trailers last week, and it looks like it's going to be pretty good. So happy to hear that. And that is all for the news for the week. Hot news with Will. Thank you for listening. And we're going to move on. Hot news, Will. Thank you for bringing us hot news of the week. Uh, this week, our main discussion is going to be about a TV show, not a movie. But we really wanted to discuss this show called Stranger Things, a Netflix original television show. We want to dive into why we think it's good, talk about the future, what this show means for the future of movies. So, Bryce, why don't you start okay. us off? We'll- um, I'm going to back us up a little here and tell, back us on tell, the, uh, tell the listeners about what our plan for this discussion is going to be. Um, so if any of our listeners watch ESPN, then they're probably familiar with a show called Around the Horn. Um, basically, our discussion for Stranger Things is going to work similar to that. Uh, the three of us are going to have three points in total that we can distribute to the other two uh, two of us. I don't know what to call us. Uh, hosts. Uh, yeah, hosts. Celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so each of us is going to have three points that we can distribute how we want to the other two. And we also each have negative one points that we can give to somebody. So, for instance, um, if I make a terrific argument, which I am sure to do, and Nick absolutely loves it because he's pretty smart, too, I guess. Uh, he can give me Thank you. he can give me uh, two points because he liked it so much. But if Will is, you know, super jealous that he's going to end up losing this round because of that, uh, decides he wants to be, you know, kind of a dick and give me that negative one point, then I'll only get a total of one point for that. So uh, thanks for that, Will. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the the first thing we're going to talk about for Stranger Things is um, what did we like about it and what did we not like about it? Uh, so, does anybody want to kick us off with this, or do they want you want me to kick it off, or what? I didn't like a single thing about this show. It pissed me off. Really? Okay. Wow. Uh, I'm just okay. no. I'm totally kidding. Dang, I was about to give you all three of my points, Nick. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll start off by saying, heck of a show. This was my favorite thing movie or TV that came out this summer. It is a Netflix original series. Um, One thing I really like about the show, a cool fact, is that the Duffer Brothers, the creators, were rejected 15 to 20 times by all sorts of networks for, you know, not liking the show. And people are just going nuts over the show. It's become a very popular thing in culture. Yeah, so it's interesting that it is on Netflix. It's probably better for the show's sake that it is on Netflix. Because I feel like if the Duffer Brothers had sold it to a big network, this show would have been nothing like the show we saw. It would have been edited and the plot would have changed. It would have not be near as original um, and not 
as much like the Duffer Brothers visions as the show we got. So I'm actually really glad that mm. it was on Netflix. Yeah, and because it's such a great binge-worthy show. Right, that's, you just want to watch it all. That's what I was going to say. Is I think it would definitely lose a lot of touch if people didn't have the ability to watch the whole thing on their own time. Because I, I, I probably would not have enjoyed it as much if I had to wait a week for each episode. Yeah, the first episode would have kind of lost me. I'm going to get into kind of what I didn't like. And I think if I saw that in the first episode and I had to wait a week, I wouldn't have watched it that next week. So definitely yeah. good. It's on Netflix. Right. Uh, anything else, Nick? Yeah. So also I really loved just the eighties feel the eighties throwback that this show is from the opening theme music. It's very like synthesized music and just totally eighties. Even the design of the title, Stranger Things, when you see it, has a very 80s-style font. just think they did a really good job with their clothing, uh, the sets, and, I guess, characters. What was popular to the characters, pop culture-related, as, like, Dungeons & Dragons, the games. Um, it was just, it was did a really good job of, you know, capturing the 80s. Also, I really loved the actors in this, the young actors. One of the reasons that networks didn't pick it up apparently was just like, oh, well, nobody really wants to sh watch a show about kids because they think it's going to be a kid show. Hmm. But like the kids, really good actors, really fun to watch, really silly. And heck of a, sh heck of a show, heck of a job by these young actors who I'm sure for most of them, this was their first, you know, big project. Yeah. Yeah, I'm point, sure it was. Point oh, yeah. to Nick. I'm giving it one point to Nick. Sweet. I, I I really liked the young talent, and that wasn't in one of my pros for it, and I kind of forgot about it, but really loved the kids. Point to yeah. Nick. Um, I'll give a point to Nick for actually doing his research and figuring out how many how many other uh, channels rejected it. Uh, so there's one for you too, Nick. Two points, baby. Um. Yeah, I did do my research. I read that article on Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone did a pretty interesting article. Wait, it was Rolling Stone? No. Am I allowed to All take me. it back? <laughs> <laughs> nope. All right. I did research regardless. I may have plagiarized my research, but I did research. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Um, two two well, points. I'm on top. <laughs> I'll kind of uh, piggyback off of... Uh, Nick talking about his nostalgia for the eighties. Um, the thing I really appreciated about this movie was just kind of the writing in general. I thought the the Duffer brothers did an excellent job of writing this film. Uh, Cause you can definitely see their, their respect Phil. for people like Steven Spielberg, uh, Stephen King and John Carpenter. Um, because if any, for those of you that have seen stranger things, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say that, uh, while there is an overall plot, uh, there's kind of three subplots. And I talk about this more in my review. Um, so you can go to our website and read that if you want to. But uh, there's kind of three subplots going on. And they kind of all have their own separate genre. Um, and these genres basically follow a, uh, a Steven Spielberg adventure story, a Stephen King thriller, and a John Carpenter horror movie. Um, and I think they did an excellent job of writing these three subgenres in together so that they all connect at the end, um, without kind of taking away from each other. 
Um, and yeah, and you know, the writing, the, the writing also just for the characters, like I'm not going to go into the acting, but the, the characters were incredibly well written. I think, uh, I think stranger things gave us one of the best written police officers in movie and TV history. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. And, uh, I- huh? No, Bryce, I'm definitely giving you – I'm going to give you two points for your three-plot line subplot argument. I didn't think of the show that way, so two yeah, points for I that. I didn't either. Can you actually, without spoiling it, can you elaborate to say like one word for each plot line that you're kind of talking about? Sure. So like um, with you know, like uh, with the plot line with um, the, the, the four kids – it's like okay. a Steven Spielberg adventure story. Like they're literally yep. riding around on their bikes through a town. And it's, it's, you know, sure. It's fun of course, but it's also serious because they're, you know, they're taking on this actually two uh, entities that are actually really dangerous. Um, so, you know, kind of like ET, how, you know, they're, they're kind of taking on the government and ET by taking matters into their own hands and also riding around on bikes. Um, or, you know, uh, kind of like J.J. Abrams' homage to Steven Spielberg with Super 8. It was very, I thought it was very similar to that, too. Um, and then the the Stephen King thriller, if either of you have uh, read Firestarter? No, I haven't. No? I have not. Um, Firestarter is actually very similar to the plotline for a certain character who, uh, not to spoil anything, doesn't really have a name. You know, I'm talking eleven. About. Eleven. Uh, okay, sure. Oh, 11. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's it's very similar. Um, okay. It's almost the same, actually. Um, and then a John Carpenter horror movie with the subplot for all the high schoolers. You know, they're all out partying and stuff, and you know, trying to find out who they are. In the meantime, there's a monster hunting them down and trying to kill them. Uh. Uh, cool. Yeah. Point to Bryce. I'll give one point to Bryce. Well, thank you, Will. You're welcome. You're welcome, Bryce. So what did you not like about it, Bryce? Um, the thing that I didn't like about it was how tw- for the last two episodes, um, things start coming together. And like I said, it's really they mesh really well, but it, they only, they know they only have two episodes left to get everything in that they want and things start happening and it feels really rushed. Like characters start doing things that seem almost out of character to them. Um, especially two of the older characters who are really smart. Um, all of a sudden start doing things that are not very smart and kind of get themselves into a pickle, which was really unnecessary. And I feel like that has to do with like uh, the ending being rushed. Um, so that was one thing I didn't like about it. Also, with the rushed ending, there's some things that happen at the end of the last episode, which I'm not going to spoil, that really just don't make sense. Um, and you're kind of just left like, what what happened? I, I assume when uh, whenever season two comes out that they'll be explained a little more. But... For the time being, they just kind of left us in the dust. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take away one of my points, Bryce, because 
I don't <laughs> think it was. I don't think it was that rush. I mean, yeah, everything really? kind of happened and everything comes together in the last two episodes. But it's just like the you're climax of the me, show. And you're telling me uh, that you know I'm going to go ahead and put a spoiler alert in this part, so skip over. But Spoiler. You're telling me that Hopper and Joyce jumping in the car and just trying to break into the lab is not rushed and not out of character. I think it's rushed. I don't know what Nick thinks. I think it is. Do you? Yeah, I really do. Um, but in its defense, I, it almost fe- it felt like an eight-hour movie, which we'll kind of talk about later, or however long it was. It felt like a movie, and so they were trying to end it without knowing it would be picked up for a second season. So that's my only little – I kind of understand, but it was rushed. I think they definitely left it open to a sequel, and I think that's the reason why there are questions unanswered. But I just felt like it was a climactic ending. I didn't feel too rushed, especially since it was only 10 episodes. You get a lot of plot development. Um, Eight episodes. Maybe them running into the lab wasn't the smartest thing, but their kids are in danger. Like, threat is imminent. Death is imminent. The it's about but a mom trying to get back her son. Entire show. I mean, the, the entire show, they really don't know what's going on. It's not until the end when everybody kind of comes together, like those three subplots you're talking about. One thing I didn't like about the show is how they, little they communicate with each other. And towards the end, when they do start communicating with one another, they know what's going on, basically. And they decide to be proactive and take control of the situation because they're in a small town and they have to stick up for themselves. So in that sense, I don't think that. All right. Well, you know, I guess I just agree to disagree then. Agree to disagree. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take a point away from you too. Just, just as a, just as a counter. Cause, cause no, 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 no. You can't take a point away from me because I took a point away from you. What will nothing. It just keeps more. You take away that point. Cause then hopefully I'll come in at the end and, Swipe and y'all out. Sweep everything. Yeah, way to go. Yeah. That is an emotional. That is a mo- an emotional point takeaway. That is for no reason you're taking away that point other than to smite me. No, because yeah, I don't agree Come with on. you. Okay, sure. Okay, <laughs> yeah, sure. You know what? <laughs> all right, all right. Agree to disagree. Settle down. I'm gonna go ahead and kind of wrap I'm this gonna, up with I'm my... gonna kill you, bitch. All right. So, <laughs> what's really funny about Bryce's points is they almost look like mine. You can't see my notes because we're on audio, but I literally have talking about the characters. So that's what I love the most was the characters, and I talk about how great it was to see a sheriff doing so well and being this awesome leading character, kind of in the background, becomes one of the main ones. Loved. And who is that actor? Do y'all know off the top of your heads who that is? Hopper. Okay, because he has been in a lot of like kind of smaller roles with some different movies, and I've always liked him. Really liked him in that role. And then I go on to talk about Steven Spielberg with E.T., and I like how the four kids really had that feel of banding together. They're fun. They're innocent. They're thrown into a crazy kind of distorted world with this evil government agency, which is similar to E.T. They have a bunch of fun with it. The homage that J.J. Abrams did. I said the same thing with Super 8. Loved how it kind of felt like that. And it was just a mix together of all those elements from the 80s, bringing it back with Nick's focus that I loved with the characters. You get to see what they were like, the wearing. And I loved how they banded together in the end, as you brought up also, Nick. However, the thing I did not like about it, and it really kind of revolves 
around the whole kind of idea of the TV show. And I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to say the name of it. Well, go ahead. Spoiler slightly, but the Upside Down, not going to go into specifics, but it's basically like another world slash dimension dynamic. I have never been a fan of the whole alternate reality type timelines with any movie in, I've ever watched. It felt kind of like the Insidious, the further. It really kind of actually was super similar because it goes black and there's one person and then he kind of is in this darkness and that's really what they did with this film. I'm not a big fan of that. I like to see what I'm going against uh, when it comes to these movies. And it really took a long time for them to even get to what they're actually fighting with. And they don't do a good job of explaining it. Hopefully in season two they do it. But there are so many questions about what this upside down dimension is that they did not answer. And it's really kind of rushed going with Bryce's point. So that's really what I didn't like. I didn't like the other world dimension dynamic. It is great though. Those are, I mean, that's the only thing I didn't like uh, about the show. Um, I think uh, I got to disagree with you about the upside down. Okay. Uh, I think I just think you you know you, maybe you don't have a big enough imagination. I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> uh, but Shots I'm fired. still you know that being said, I'm still going to give you uh, the my remaining two points. Yes. Uh, since <laughs> since our our arguments were essentially about the same things, um, and True. yeah, that is in spite of you, Nick. So. Think about, I brought in both of your arguments and made up my own and combined them to agree and disagree. I think I just, thank you, Bryce. I appreciate it. The plagiarizer of all plagiarizers. (laughs) You said it. I did And you know, it's, I'm kind of like, in my head at least, I'm kind of considering it a win for myself since we basically had the same argument. We really, I mean, honestly, (laughs) we do. We have very similar, we we have very similar views. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give you another point because. Yes. I agree with the upside down. It's really unexplained. I mean, it's kind of explained, but the explanation doesn't really explain the whole alternate reality. No, it doesn't at um, all. In the name, the upside down, I just have a problem with that. I don't know why, okay, but I is, don't think that's a, I, I they do. couldn't come out with a better yeah, name. I do agree that's, with you. That's, that's kind of silly, that. but if you think well, well, wasn't that from wasn't that from wasn't the upside down from Dungeons and Dragons? No, is that, that why they called it the upside think, down? No, that's just because what Eleven called it. That's how okay. she described yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And Dungeon, okay. you're thinking of so. the Veil of Shadows, bruh. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a nerd like these kids, so I did not play Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, maybe I'm a nerd, but I I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. Tell me you've never either. played Dungeons and Dragons? I haven't. No. I would, but I haven't. Yeah, I actually haven't either. So, yeah, all, all in all, heck of a good TV show. Um, it's really cool to see Netflix, like spite network television who rejected the show and put out something super good, such as Stranger Things props. I'm going to give Netflix a point for buying the Duffer Brothers show. That was cool. Honorary point. Honorary point to them for sure. But yeah, uh, we mentioned earlier, we'll say we're going to talk about this. The fact that it's a 10-hour movie, basically. It's a TV show, but it has a cinematic feel. Um, at, the end of, at the end of the show, the kids make a joke saying, they play a Dungeons & Dragons campaign, and this was really clever. They say, oh, is that it? Like, 
that was a 10 hour long campaign. And you know, what about the girl? What about all this stuff? There's a bunch of questions. And I thought that was cute. Um, Broke the fourth wall in a way, but yeah, it was basically like a 10 hour long movie. So it's, what is it? What does this mean for Netflix, for television and for movies? Um, I think it has a lot to do with, um, I think audiences just want a lot more out of the stories. And, you know, if that means strictly giving them more or dragging things out, that's what people have to do now. Um, But I will say that people really do not enjoy the traditional uh, TV show style anymore. Um, They want big stories uh, that in all the episodes to interconnect. Um, So, you know, things like CSI and uh, sitcoms where the episodes kind of just, you know, each episode, individual episode is its own individual story. People don't want that anymore. They want things like breaking bad or, you know, the walking dead, even though I don't like that. Um, and, I don't either. Yeah. Props to, I guess I'll have to mention that the people that kind of started this all is HBO, uh, especially with the Sopranos and how big of a hit that was, which I still haven't watched. Um, but yeah, people just, they that's what they want now. They want the big, long story arcs and not the short, little, uh, quick stories that that you can sit down and, and finish in 20 minutes. Yeah, Bryce, I agree. I think that with that, people don't want that long star- story arc. However, there is a point where you have to have good quality. And it's like kind of HBO. They say it's not TV. It's HBO. It's HBO. Mm-hmm. That's with Netflix as well. And they really put out the greatest quality. House of Cards, Orange is the New Black. They have this new Marvel kind of TV right. universe with Daredevil coming out. Jessica with Jones. Which I'm actually very excited for. And if they didn't have that great quality of TV shows, nobody would want to watch this longer, longer mm-hmm. story arc. I do think it's kind of dominating. And I don't. it's not going to affect movies i don't think because they still have the appeal of going to the movies big blockbusters they have a lot more and budget and time to prepare however it is definitely changing how you watch tv on a regular basis and i I think it's for the better actually i kind of disagree with you um because if you look at the past couple years and you look at the movies that have made the most money they're all continuations of a bigger story arc um yeah, and probably the the worst contenders or uh, the worst uh, culprits of this, whatever you want to call them, is mm-hmm. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Those are there's very they very rarely put out a movie that is just a standalone movie. They all have to like lead into another movie. Um, and you know, think about these big series like Harry Potter or The Hunger Games. They can't. They can't make just one movie. They have to make several movies to draw out the story and make it bigger. Um, well, because with those, it's like their source material. Well, you, you know, you know, you say that, but look at the last ones. Um, crap, I can't remember the name of it. Deathly Hallows. <laughs> yeah, Deathly Hallows. It was split into two movies, or uh, the Mo- Mockingjay was split into two movies. Um, they just try to draw it out because. 
you know, you, you make the uh, the argument about they want they want to make more money off of it, which is probably true, and I agree with. But I also think it actually does have to do with people want more, even if it means dragging it out. Well, I, it depends. I mean, look at the number one movie of all time, Avatar. It's a standalone. Look at the second movie, Titanic, standalone. Uh, those are movies that have came out in the past 15, 20 years. Uh, it ended pent like Jurassic World broke off, like that huge record. And I guess it's kind of continuation. So I'll give you that, but it's a, it's its own movie. Uh, I don't, and like, it depends. I do agree, but I just don't think it's a continuation when it comes to movies. It, there's so many standalones that have been out there that make a lot of money, but you're right. I mean, there's these franchises that build and build are huge. So yeah. I get it. So what do you think will happen in season two? What do you want to happen? I, I had, I think that spoiler alert people going all out spoilers here. If you want to watch it or haven't seen it, don't listen fast forward a little bit, but I'm pretty sure we're definitely going to see L come back, which I think Hopper at the end, he was definitely feeding L. Maybe L's hiding in the upside down or she's hiding in this like secret base or something, but he's definitely feeding and helping her out. I think we're going to see her come back with bigger powers. Hmm. You know, she's the one of the show that has like the superpowers and the supernatural uh, human. And I definitely think that she's going to come back with big powers. There's going to be something to do with will going back into the upside down, or maybe he's becoming a monster. I don't know, but I might, I might do that. We'll see. (laughs) Dang it, I was going to make that joke. <laughs> oh, oh, very funny. Thanks. So, yeah. Okay. What do y'all think is going to happen in the next season? Yeah, I, I think you're right, Nick. I think uh, Elle's definitely still around. And, um, of course. Definitely has something to do with Hopper. Or he wouldn't have uh, put an ego in the box. Um, But, you know, kind of, I, th- I think she's stuck in the upside down. And I think we're going to learn a lot more about the Upside Down. And I think it's going to kind of come back to... um, I kind of noticed... I'm going to back up a little bit. I kind of noticed that throughout the show, every piece of informational dialogue absolutely matters. So um, in the episode where they have the funeral for Will, the boys go to their science teacher and uh, start asking him questions about, you know, like the veil of shadows and wormholes and stuff. And he tells them he, at one point he tells them about the alternate reality theory and that like, there's other realities where none of this terrible stuff happens. And, you know, there's a flip side to that. There's a place where there's a reality where all the terrible stuff does happen. that can happen. And, you know, you think about how, everything in this, this show kind of was a, a homage to the eighties. Then what's the big thing that's going on is the cold war. So I think we're going to learn that the upside down is actually a universe where the cold war went full out nuclear war and wiped everything out. And, um, I know that doesn't really explain how the Demogorgon got there or why he lives there, but, um, I think that's what we're going to learn about the upside down. And uh, yeah, Elle's definitely coming back. And I also think along with Nick that Will is not in the clear yet. Um, 
again, since everything in this show is an homage to the eighties, I would not be surprised if we see some kind of, uh, um, transformation, yeah, transformation or rebirth of the Demogorgon, um, kind of similar to what you would see from aliens. Hmm. I forgot that this was kind of about the cold war and that, you know, the experiments going on in the show mm-hmm. are to beat the Russians or whatever. So I really like that theory. I didn't think about that, but I definitely can see the upside down being a, a fallout, a nuclear wasteland type place. It's interesting. Huh. Yeah, I agree. I think that was, I didn't really ever think about it being that type of place. But what do I want to happen? I want a further redemption story of Steve Harrington because he is so (laughs) amazing. He comes in with that bat and does a few twirls and beats the crowd. Steve Harrington is a douche. Steve Harrington is a douche. No, he's, I mean, he had definitely some bad points, but he comes in and beats the crap out of the Demi Gordon or whatever. And I really just want to see him become a huge character and kind of lead the way. I, I like Steve a lot. Um, and if honestly though it has got a lot of pressure i don't know if this show can keep up what it did in the first season it's such a different kind of quirky show it could go downhill really really fast uh, that's just kind of, i don't think i hope it doesn't happen but if i had to predict it i think it will go downhill mm-hmm. pretty quick but that's something that's i kind of uh, talked about in my review for it was mm-hmm. that netflix kind of has a hard time um, prolonging their shows. Yeah. So that is a fear I have too. Um, but because of how much I enjoy it, I hope they can, they can kind of dispel that illness sure. that they seem to have. But yeah. 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 And miss the show, uh, Mr. Robot was, it's on USA network. The first season was last year and the way that they ended the show, you kind of think, okay, well, season two, mm-hmm. where the heck can they go? And, Season two is almost over, and man, like it may even be better than season one. Right, I it's agree. Definitely lived up to the hype. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if the Duffer Brothers. They seem like you know pretty good writers, yeah, they definitely good seem, directors. They definitely seem like they do a good job. Yeah. So I, I, I think it will take a cool turn, and I'm, I'm all aboard the hype train. <laughs> awesome, awesome, good discussion, good discussion, guys. Oh, and uh, who ended up winning? The competition? I think Bryce... Okay, so I marked... I have two points. Bryce, three points. And Will, you have Bryce's other two points. I'll give you a point, Will. Uh, I don't know. Y'all tell me. Who won? Me and Bryce tied. Yeah. Sure. We got a tie okay. for our first competition. Nick, Nick, did you give all three of your points away? I didn't. <laughs> Wait, oh, you have to. That's... Does okay, tiebreaker right here. Yes. Tiebreaker right here. I'm going to give Bryce my third point. Bryce beats Will by oh, one point. Okay. All right. Well, because I really liked Bryce. Negative one to Bryce from me. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> you didn't give <laughs> yes. me a negative one? <laughs> Damn it. Um, okay, well, tie game. I'm whatever. I'm joking. Bryce got it. Bryce is the winner. No, that's. I Nobody. Mean, okay, whatever. <laughs> Nobody wins. We like to keep it fair on our show. Boo. No, we don't. <laughs> All right. Bryce yeah. wins because his analysis of the Cold War was really cool, Agreed. as well as his whole subplot thing and analyzing 80s oh, storytelling. Thanks, guys. All right. Before we end our Stranger Things discussion, I want to ask y'all a trivia question. 
Go ahead. This is a question about the main kid actor, the one that doesn't disappear in season one. I forget um, the character's name. Mike or Will? No, Will goes missing. I think it's Mike. Mike. Yeah, okay. it's Mike because L's always like Mike. Okay, yeah. so really good actor. What's his, he what's is going to be name? son of a bitch. Finn, <laughs> Finn, is his uh, name? He is son of a bitch. Oh, no, okay. it's Finn Wolfhard. I think that's right. That, is, that he Will's right. Yes, um, he is going to be in a huge movie. It's a huge remake that is scheduled to come out in 2017. This is something that may or may not have ties into Stephen King, and it's definitely going to be set in the 80s. I know, I know, I know, I know. No, you don't. Trivia question. No, you don't. What remake is he going to be the star ding, of? Ding. Am I in? No, Am I the first no, one ding, ding. Will? I got to guess first it. since it's I have it. no time. It. it. Is he right? Bryce, Bryce, what do you think? I mean, that's what I think now. I was just well, going to guess something <laughs> completely random because I have no y'all idea. Y'all are both wrong. It is what? it. Yeah, that's what I'm I just said. kidding. <laughs> Did you look it up, Will? No, no. When you, nice. I mean, you said Stephen King, and I've been looking I, on those. I should uh, have said Stephen King. Yeah, those that's clown images have been coming out recently. Those that clown image is really scary. So I just it was in, fresh in my mind. Is it going to be a birdie? <laughs> Remember the birdie, birdie, and that the guy's main character. <laughs> Pennywise. Pennywise. Yeah. yeah. No, that's the that's yeah that's the clown. Georgie. The, the kid's oh, name the is kids. Georgie. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking about. His brother who dies, but that movie will be scary AF, and I I'm excited to see that kid in it. He was a pretty good actor in Stranger Things. Yeah, he was. I agree. Well, I think we are about to wrap it up. Just a little reminder, solely starring Tom Hanks. It's going to come out September 9th. This is a movie that I think we're all going to see this weekend. We're really excited for it. And it'll, we will review it on our next episode. Just a little reminder as well. Follow us on Twitter. MLNL MovieCast. That is MLNL MovieCast. Also, go to our website, MillennialMovieCast.com to get all of Bryce's reviews and fun little tidbits that we like to put on there. Also, hot news by me. Yeah, our show is – we had to put our first episode on SoundCloud. We'll probably put this episode we're recording right now on SoundCloud as well. But be looking out for our shows on iTunes. Hopefully by the end of this week, next week, they will be hosted on iTunes. So that will be really easy for you to listen to in your car while you're studying. Just download the podcast app. So, yeah. Awesome. It's been a pl- been another good episode. Always yeah. two. thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Please tell your friends, your family that if they want to hear anything on movies, just go to movie millennial movie cast. <laughs> and yeah. thank you to Ben Sound for our theme yes. music again. <laughs> thank you to bensound.com. Check him out. He is the the modern Mozart. Yeah, thanks for being sound. Thank you, and y'all have just a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening.